Welcome back to Man the Helm Podcast. I'm your host, Jake. This week we have an awesome guest that I cannot wait for you guys to check out. But before we get into that, I do need to apologize. I really wanted to get a podcast out the week prior to this. Unfortunately, due to technical difficulties and some factors that were kind of out of my control, I wasn't able to get a podcast out, and I am deeply sorry for that. I've always wanted to try to get a podcast out every week, and so far, with the exception of last week, I have. But it is what it is. It's one of those things. If you can't control it, there's no you know, use in worrying about it. But anyway, I am sorry about that. But as per usual, if you want to check me out on any social media, you can check me out on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, a little bit of YouTube. And if you want to reach out just a little bit more personally, you can email me at manthehelmpodcast at gmail.com. And we can talk about whatever you want. Gear, life, shows for the podcast, just nothing weird. But anyway, this week's guest is awesome. I had a great time talking to her, and I've actually been a big fan of her show, so it was kind of cool to get her on the other side of the microphone. So enough of this talk. Let's just go ahead and get to the show. Welcome back to Man the Helm Podcast. Today I'm sitting down with Kayla Creamer from the Distorted Opinions Podcast. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me. It's it's great to finally be able to join you on a show. I know you've been supporting us for a while, so it's great to be here. Oh yeah, I definitely have. And we're going to pretend we haven't done this before already. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, technical difficulties and all. But um, before we kind of get into the Distorted Opinions podcast, I'd like to really know more about yourself, um, kind of where you came up with music, and then we can kind of get to where we are today. Sure, yeah. So uh, I actually started playing music in about fourth grade. I, uh, I started playing the flute, which I had wanted to play for a while at that point. Um, third grade, students could start learning an instrument, but they had to start on violin, which at the time I, I didn't really have much interest in violin. I really wanted to play flute. So they made you wait till fourth grade. Right. I started playing flute, um, took lessons for a number of years and throughout high school kind of actually bounced around between different instruments. Um, I, I started playing guitar, I think about fifth or sixth grade. I got oh, into cool. that because of my dad, um, mm-hmm. He was a guitar player, and uh, actually, my brother was was part of the reason as well. He was my dad was trying to get him into playing guitar. He bought him a little three quarter size classical acoustic guitar, right. and um, turned out music was just not my brother's thing. Uh, he also tried to play sax when he was in middle school that didn't go okay. very well it was like one one year of that he never actually learned to play it i remember going to see him at a recital and it was clear that he was not actually playing he was sitting there and you could you could tell from yeah. the side his fingers weren't moving he mm-hmm. just the music was not his thing so um i ended up picking up the guitar that my dad bought him and shortly after that my dad gave me this Yamaha acoustic that he had lying around and that's what I started on and um it was a decent guitar and I'll tell you 
going from playing an acoustic for a year to getting my first electric was a, a huge difference. It was like oh yeah, it, it, cutting a hot butter knife, you know, through butter after having played an acoustic. And so I was I was really excited to get my first electric guitar, which I got after maybe a year, year and a half of playing the acoustic. And uh, it was a Dan Electro, which I still have oh, to this cool. day. Yeah, very, very cool guitar. I thought it was cool looking. You know, it didn't necessarily fit the style of music that I wanted to play, but I thought it was cool looking. So um, I saved up babysitting money for quite a while to be able to buy that. And my dad and I, we took a group lesson, I guess you could say, through a local music school. And we did that for... I think one or two semesters and my dad was taking private lessons with the same person who was teaching that ensemble and shortly after that enrolled me in private lessons as well and then uh, we kind of stopped doing the ensemble and just did private lessons I did a rock ensemble that the music nice. school put together and that was interesting um, basically they would put together students from the different departments so you had the drum department and then you mm-hmm. had um, kids that were taking bass lessons and so everybody kind of auditioned and they formed this little rock ensemble where everybody would come in and pick two or three songs and right. we would all learn them and then do a performance at the end of the semester so uh, as far as guitar goes I have kind of an I guess unorthodox background where I haven't really played in a lot of bands, but I played in ensembles and jam sessions. And I was in one band 10 years ago. And, uh, that was a ton of fun. We were a a eight piece funk and classic rock band. And we had a full brass section, another guitar player, uh, tons and tons of fun. I have some (laughs) really funny memories, uh, great stories of, of playing with that band. We were only together or I was only a part of that band for about a year before everybody kind of parted ways, but it was a lot of fun playing with that particular group of musicians. And so, you know, that was kind of my, my guitar career. And then through high school, I played a number of other instruments. I wanted to play guitar in the jazz band and, uh, prepared for that and didn't even get a chance to audition. And that's, a whole other story, but they were like, oh, we already have a guitar player. How about bass? We need a bass player. Mm-hmm. And I had just purchased a fairly inexpensive bass on Black Friday. I really didn't have too much intention of playing it in a band or anything. It was just inexpensive. And I was like, hey, I'd like to have a bass to kind of play right. around with. Uh, so I ended up learning to read bass clef and, uh, and ended up playing bass in the jazz band for the four years that I was in high school. And I bounced around between some other instruments. I played mellophone my senior year in the marching band, which is some people would crucify me for calling it this, but it's basically a marching French horn. It plays in the. Okay. I was going to say that's, that's the comparison I was going to make. So I guess we're on the same boat. Yeah. Yeah. Not too many people know what it is. Um, A lot of people think it's some relative of the xylophone when they hear that yeah no not even close um so i played that senior year my high school was really small our band whether it was jazz band or concert band was probably about 30 kids and uh then i you know graduated went on to college and decided to join the marching band in college and that was 
a whole other experience because I went from uh, a, a group that was maybe 30 kids where I was the only person playing that instrument to there were about 30 of us that played right. mellophone in a group of 400 in the marching mm-hmm. band. And uh, it was a huge, huge transition, a great experience. I wouldn't have traded it for anything in the world. And uh, I eventually did, I joined the concert band. I was kind of late to the game on that, but I joined the concert band my junior and senior year of college, and I ended up playing French horn there. So, um, you know, a lot of brass instruments. I played tuba my junior year of high school, uh, which was a huge transition from I had played flute and piccolo for many years. So, um yeah, I've kind of kind of bounced around a lot, but the the one instrument that's kind of stuck with me over the years has been guitar, and and that's kind of where my my passion is as far as music goes. Yeah, what were you really into? You, you kind of said earlier that you weren't the the nylon string and acoustic stuff wasn't really what you were into. What yeah. were you like trying to get after? <laughs> um, I mean, I listened to a lot of different types of music, but. My my guitar style has always been more rock and metal, and okay. uh, I'm I'm a huge Metallica fan. Um, at the time, I was listening to a lot of Metallica, Megadeth, Ozzy, Black Sabbath, uh, Anthrax, those types of bands. Right. So, Dan Electros tend to be, I think, probably considered a little more surfy with their sound, yeah, um, and their look. So you know, it was. It was an awesome first guitar. I still love that guitar. I like I said, I still have it, but I very quickly ended up getting some different guitars that lent themselves a bit more to the style of music that I was yeah. into playing at that point. Still do play. Um, however, my tastes have evolved quite a bit over the last twenty years. So mm-hmm. Uh, while I do still listen to a lot of metal and I like to play metal, I also like to play a lot of other genres of music and um big fan of blues music. I've always loved blues guitar. Jazz is a style that has always kind of baffled me as a guitar player. Jazz, in my opinion, jazz is a probably one of the hardest styles of guitar to play because there's really not distortion. So you can't hide bad playing behind sound Mm -hmm. effects and stuff. And jazz players are just, there's some of the cleanest and in my opinion, some of the most intricate playing that I've, I've ever heard, and I have a lot of respect for jazz guitarists because it's not a style I've ever really been able to pull off, although I do enjoy listening to jazz guitar, and I really wish I could play jazz guitar well. Um, so, but, but yeah, metal and rock has always kind of been where I've gravitated as far as my playing, um, and so yeah, that's to this day still a lot of what I like to play. Well, it's always good to branch out too. I mean, and that that tends to happen when you get older. It feels like you know you, sure. you have that. It, I forget how it was said, but it was something as to the effect of like what you heard, like when you were like between the ages of like fifteen and eighteen, are really what you gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's where your like heart lies, really, with right. your musical taste. Yeah. But then, as you start to get older, you start to appreciate the other aspects, like you were saying, like with the jazz playing and stuff like that. I can't really get behind too much jazz. The fusion jazz stuff, though, I can mm. because it's super shreddy and it's super intricate, sure. and it's I, I really dig that sort of thing. But sure, the clean stuff with, like you said too, it completely baffles me. I couldn't sit <laughs> in a jam and I couldn't carry anything with some of those players because it would just be crazy. 
Yeah. So I definitely feel you on that. Yeah. But yeah, um, I kind of went through the same thing as far as like uh, elementary, middle school, high school, playing uh, stringed instruments and uh, brass instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like, a, oh, I don't know the right way to put this. Um, you either have guitar players or people that more gravitate towards that sort of music with that instrument that either say there's no point in learning anything as far as like the musical side of education mm-hmm. and you have the complete opposite where it's like, no, you have to know this theory in order to, you know, be productive. Right. Where do you kind of sit on that? Is that like a... I mean, uh, so music theory, <laughs> despite my my many years of playing different instruments, is not really my strong suit. Um, even, you know, one, one of the other things I really have struggled with over the years as a guitar player, I can read music, but I can't really read music on guitar. Um, I got you. Yeah, so it's I, I I think the big challenge for me in that regard has been that there are so many different places that you can play the same note on a guitar, right. and I've never really been able to wrap my head around mm-hmm. reading music and and how do you determine where is the place that you should play that note on a guitar. Um, so I've very much been a tab guitar player. Uh, yeah. You know, again, I can read music, but when it comes to guitar tabs are pretty much the only way that I can read music, so to speak, to play guitar. Um, I, I don't really, I don't feel like you necessarily have to be a, um, you, you know, a person who understands all the nitty gritty to be a really good guitar player. I know people that are not, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, classically trained, they don't necessarily know the theory, but they're incredible guitar players. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think it's a requirement and, uh, especially like with the pandemic and a lot of people being home, this is something that I kind of tried to hammer home with some people who were thinking about picking up a guitar, but they're like, Oh, I don't know if I'll be any good at it. And you know, I, I don't really know the music theory. I don't know how to read music on a guitar and it's kind of like, just pick it up and have fun with it. You know, yeah. uh, everybody starts somewhere and you're not going to pick it up and, and be an expert by any means, but you'll never know whether or not it's something you enjoy doing unless you, right. you give it a try. And what better time than, well, we're oh, yeah. all locked away at home with nothing else to do. So, um, yeah, I, I, I absolutely feel you know, it's great to know the theory and and the fundamentals, but I I don't think you have to know the theory to be a, a great guitar player. I know many people who are excellent, excellent guitar players that I can't hold a candle to them. And they yeah. never learned a thing about theory, um, never taken a formal lesson, any of that stuff. So, uh, yeah, for me, it's always been like a roadmap, right? So yeah. it's like, if I kind of know how to get there, I don't need to know like exactly step by step on mm-hmm. how to do something. But as long as I have an overall picture and a basic understanding, mm-hmm. and I think it plays more into when you're jamming with people. Like if you go right. to a jam or if you go, you don't want to be playing, like if they were just playing like a simple power chord progression, you don't want to be playing the exact same thing they are. So, right. you know, finding where those other chord shapes are at and, and being able mm-hmm. to complement the other musicians you're playing with. I think that's really where it comes into it. Right. But yeah, as far as starting, there, there's no reason why you really need to dive into that. Like you said, it's just pick it up Yeah. and start get you know, and then you'll start to find what you gravitate towards. You know, you are, right. you already have somewhat of a bias towards what you like anyway in music, mm-hmm. if you're going to be picking up an instrument. 
So right. yeah, just that's what that's what I've kind of said the same thing to people before. It's just there's no point in talking about it. Just grab it. Right. Grab it and get it. And if right. if it works, it doesn't. If or if it works, it does. If not, it's no big deal. You know. And, and I think people are fortunate now where like I'm I'm sure probably the same for you when you started playing. Uh, for me, there wasn't YouTube. There was none of no, this yeah. go online and there's tons and tons of videos that teach you everything you need to know about how to play guitar or play any other instrument. We had, you could find websites where you could download tabs and yeah. uh, what was it? Guitar Pro at the time was the big thing that oh uh, yeah that I was using. But now there's so many resources out there that it's, fairly easy to have videos at your disposal where you can just pick up an instrument and start to learn the basics of it without even having to take a lesson or kind of fumble your way through or like one of the things early on that I learned in taking lessons was we did a lot of ear training so um, trying to figure out listening to yes a cd of uh, of your favorite bands and oh i want to learn that song and now you're sitting there listening to the same section of the cd over and over and over and over again while you try to figure out what the chord progression was and um i don't know in some ways i feel like that might have been a bit of a blessing because it helped that there wasn't that i guess kind of like cheat cheat sort of thing out there of well i want to learn this song i'm just going to go to youtube and somebody's Mm -hmm. going to play it for me or even like i've got an app on my ipad if i have a song I want to learn to play and there's no chords available anywhere for it, I can pull up this app, search for a video on YouTube, and it will right. generate the chords for me so that I have a basic starting point to figure out a song. And that's, I mean, I, I think technology has made it so much easier for people these days who want to get into playing an instrument to be able to to do it and um, kind of not have to fumble their way so much through Mm-hmm. Some of the things I'm sure you and I probably both experienced when we first picked up a guitar. So, I mean, that's, it, it's cool in a lot of ways, but I think also there's a lot of benefits to the way I learned how to, how to play. Yeah. I was thinking it's almost like a catch 22 because mm-hmm. you, you have access to all this information and it's phenomenal, mm-hmm. but this might just be my like old man screaming at clouds moment, but, <laughs> but, but really it's, sitting down and training your ear to listen to actual songs. And, and the, the best part about it is you're relying on yourself at that point and you might not play it the way that the artist was playing it, but you come up with an interesting way to play that chord progression or that riff or that lick. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you just pulled up tabs, you have another random person that their interpretation of it. Right. Cause I'm sure you remember too. Most of those tabs that you were looking at were wrong. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. You're sitting there trying to play it and you're like, this is definitely not what it is. You know? Yeah. I, I remember it was so funny because I had a, um, at the, at the house I lived at with my parents, we had a computer that was right in the living room and that's what I would do. I'd have a, I'd go to the record store, buy a CD. Okay. I'm going to learn this song. And then I would go to the computer, try to find the tabs. And then my dad would just be like, what are you doing? Just go learn the song. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, and that's what I would do. I would try to just pick out, you know, or, um, I got an awesome DVD one year. It was the Crossroads Festival. I can't remember what year it was from. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I learned a bunch of like blue standards off of that yeah. or that uh, video just from watching them play, you know? Sure. So Absolutely. It, I, I don't know. It's I, I was listening to somebody talk about um, like great like icons 
these days. And I don't think it's ever going to happen just because mm-hmm. of social media anymore. Cause like everybody is really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I've, uh, I've discovered so many different bands and musicians through social media that yeah. I'm just, I- I'm blown away by what people are doing in their own homes. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> people are putting together these albums and these videos that they're posting online and they're doing it all by themselves producing it themselves in their own homes and uh, i remember when i was uh getting ready to go for college and i was kind of i was on the fence about what i was going to do for a major and i was uh leaning toward maybe going into music and so i had done some audition tapes for colleges and yeah I remember recording those on a Tascam, was it a four track recorder to a cassette tape. And then I had, I think I had the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so for me, I mean, even today, I feel like, I feel like a real boomer in the, in the <laughs> right. sense that I don't fully have a grasp on a lot of the digital technology that mm-hmm. people are using to be able to create these things it's it's kind of mind-blowing to me that there are a lot of guitar players that i follow and they're putting out these phenomenal songs and all it is is them and they've got these backing tracks of drums and bass that are smart programmed through their software that kind of match along with what they're playing and for me that's just baffling because when i was recording stuff back in the day it was me having to play all those instruments with a drum track that sounded really like a pre-programmed drum track there was nothing realistic about it uh i mean even the uh when we when we started doing distorted opinions and one of the first things we were talking about was we need to come up with a theme song we didn't Mm want to use some you know stock music online from somewhere because we're kind of like well we're musicians we should we should write something and make something original and uh if you've never heard our theme song the drums by the way oh oh, thank you i appreciate that i so it took us i don't know 80 something episodes before i finally talked in more detail on one of our shows about the story behind that but um it was so it was me on guitar, Ted kind of, Ted, who's one of my co-hosts and one of my friends, you know, we go back to high school. Uh, he kind of wrote the the main riff for that. And so I recorded all the guitar parts. He ended up recording the bass part, but because it was in the middle of the pandemic and we didn't necessarily have all the recording equipment that we needed at our disposal, recording the drums was going to be a little bit harder. So I actually... That was my first time venturing into, I used a drum track that was built into GarageBand oh, yeah. as our drum track. And if you ask me, I, I don't think if, if I didn't share the story, I'm not sure that most people would know that that was a digital, not even a real, I mean, I guess they probably recorded real drums to make all those, um, those stems and stuff, but it, I don't think most people would realize that that's not really one of us playing the drums in that recording. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the extent of my adventuring into digital recording of music. Mm-hmm. So um, there's so much about it that just I- I'm still not up to speed on and I wish I knew more about because the stuff that people are doing are incredible. But like you said, there's so much out there right now because the internet is just 
like a free for all of places and and it's fantastic i think it's great that people can do that i've discovered so many musicians that i'm like why isn't this person getting more views on this video or more listens to the song because it's phenomenal but there's so much out there yeah, which is probably just, why it's just so oversaturated yeah yeah you know for sure and the great people do really stand out mm-hmm. but but once again it's it's hard to find someone that's truly great because sure. everybody is really really good yeah the bar's high <laughs> you know and that's that's one of the things i i kind of wanted to talk to you about with like the podcast because it's mm-hmm. like you guys found a specific sort of niche for mm-hmm. that podcast and mm-hmm. i think that's really what you have to do if you're trying to be somewhat successful on social media sure because if you broaden it too wide you know you're not going to have no one's going to be able to pay attention to you you're going to have you're you're trying to reach out to too many people too fast you need to really Mm -hmm. focus down so when you guys when did you guys actually officially start distorted opinions yeah so we started that about april of 2020 and it was okay yeah it it was kind of a there wasn't much going on. We couldn't go mm, anywhere. Right. And uh, at the time I was working at another job, I was working for a public access station and I was doing the programming and mm. we were still kind of navigating the fact that we couldn't have our producers who were regularly creating programming in the studio because it just wasn't happening. We were still trying to figure out how can we help these people produce their programs remotely. So there wasn't a lot of new content coming in and, I was talking to my coworker and we were talking about music. And at one point she suggested, why don't you do a show about music? And I, I am a person that up until that point, my role was behind the camera. You would never get me on the camera. I didn't like hearing my own voice. I didn't like seeing myself on camera. I had no interest in it. I had been on camera once at another job I had worked at where one of the producers of one of the shows wanted to have me on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it, it was a terrible, terrible interview because I was so nervous. And I'm like, what am I doing here? I, I don't want to be on this show. Uh, <laughs> so the idea of doing a show, I was, I really had to kind of think about it. Cause I'm like, mm, I don't know if this is a good idea. And so I kind of put it out there. So my friends, Matt and Ted, uh, we were all, you know, we all go back to high school. Ted had been hosting these jam sessions and, um, that's a whole other story, but I kind of reached out to the jam session crew on a text thread. And I said, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm thinking about doing this music show. Is there anybody that would be interested in, in participating? I meant it more as a rotating guest kind of thing. Uh, but it turned into Ted and and Matt ended up being regular co-hosts with me. And so the whole thing really started as, well, we've all known each other for a long time. We love music. We could sit here and talk about music for hours on end. I need some content to put on our channels. That's fresh. Why don't we get together and create this show via zoom and it was never really intended to be an audio podcast. It was really intended just to be a video program that I could put on the channels. And so we had decided we want to get a few in the can so that we're not scrambling to get them edited. So I think we had six or eight shows before we started releasing them. And at that point, we started talking. It was like, well, it really wouldn't be that hard for us to just extract the audio and make this an audio-only podcast right. as well. Uh, so we started 
distributing it that way. And at the time, I think we figured, you know, we'll do this until things resume to normal, whatever normal looks like. Right. And it it was kind of interesting because when we were able to kind of return to seeing each other in person the two people that it was like it really hadn't felt like i hadn't seen them in that long were matt and ted because every week for a year and a half at that point we'd been getting together and recording these shows and if you had asked us then if we thought that the show was going to continue for as long as it has i'm pretty sure we would have told you no this is this is just a thing that we're doing to pass the time but a year went by and we decided, oh, we're having fun doing this. We'll we'll keep doing it. And then next thing you know, a few weeks ago, we just did our two-year anniversary episode. Right. And um, that was episode 104. We've taken a hiatus because we've been releasing a new episode every week for two years two straight. Years. Yeah. And, uh, and it was starting to get, I think, around episode 80. I was starting to feel a little bit of burnout because it was... Mm. It was getting to be more of a struggle. Everybody was starting to kind of resume a normal life. They were doing yeah. things uh, outside of the house and making plans on the weekends and stuff. And so our regular 11 a.m. every Sunday schedule started to turn into, well, when's everybody free this week and mm-hmm. not everybody's free on the same day. And it got to be more challenging. So we kind of decided, all right. Initially, we said, let's get to episode 100. And then I looked at our, you know, list and I I was like, well, 104 is our two year anniversary. Why don't we go to 104, do the two years and then take a bit of a break and hopefully, you know, resume, which at this point, I'm certain that we're going to resume because there's just, there's so much stuff. I'm itching to do a show and it's only been a couple of weeks at this point since we recorded the last one. So... Um, so yeah, this all started out of, we had nothing else to do during the pandemic. And now it's just this thing that we enjoy doing. It's been a way for us to be able to still experience some level of normalcy and routine. And also mm-hmm. we just love getting together and talking about music and, yeah. um, you know, hopefully that's something that our, our goal was to kind of, the first few episodes were a little bit stiff, but our goal was to kind of have it be more conversational and hopefully our audience can kind of feel like they're just part of a conversation. Like we're just hanging out in a room chatting Mm -hmm. about whatever music topic comes to mind that particular week. So, uh, that's kind of where things are at right now. Uh, been, it seems like not a long two years, but also a long two years at the same time. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, burnout's a real thing. And Mm. a lot of people, I don't think, understand that when they really start to commit to something, especially on social media, and you start Mm. to get on a routine. And then it stops becoming, uh, maybe not in your case, but it kind of stops becoming fun. And now it feels like I have to do this now. Yeah. You know, and I think what you guys did was really smart, because you can just completely stop. Mm -hmm. Or you can just take a break. Right. And what you guys did, too, is awesome, because you let everybody know. Like, hey, we're taking a little bit of a break. We're taking the summer off or however long, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. And then we're, you know, probably going to come back. So you didn't just like have your 104th episode and just say, okay, hey, see you later, guys. Right. You know, so that's definitely the way to do it. But I've always liked how people balance their life. 
Mm -hmm. Right. So you obviously have a, a normal nine to five. Oh yeah. And, and you're doing other stuff on top of that with, for instance, distorted opinions and, you know, jamming when playing guitar and stuff, mm -hmm. all that. Mm -hmm. What's, what's a way that you like to kind of balance that professional and that passion life? Yeah. You know, that, that was a bit of a struggle for a while between, between the way work changed during mm -hmm. the pandemic and I started a new job about a year ago. So in the middle of the pandemic, uh, and actually all, all of us involved in the show started new jobs over oh, wow. the last year. Um, Keisha, who is a friend of mine who kind of came into it about halfway, a little over halfway through, she had been on as a guest on a couple of episodes. And then, mm -hmm. um, she came on as a more regular host to kind of help relieve a little bit of the pressure of Matt and Ted having to be there every episode. Right. Um, she and I both started new jobs about the same time. And then Matt started a new job shortly after that. And then Ted started a new job a few months ago. So uh, I think it's been a bit of a transition for all of us. And I, I think part of that, you know, kind of fed into the, we need to take a bit of a break and, right. and regroup and figure out how this is going to work. And, um, starting a new job for me kind of changed what the show became for me because where it was uh, just a thing that we were doing to be able to put something on the channels at work, the job that I took a year ago is less production-based and I've oh, okay. always been somewhat involved in video production in whatever job I've worked in. And so... For me, it's become more of a, this is a way for me to continue being able to do some level of production and, and granted it's different than going out in the field with a camera and, right. and shooting something in the field. Uh, but it is still a way for me to utilize those skills and continue to build on those skills. And I, I'm hopeful that maybe w when we return, I can improve some of the equipment and I've already been talking with a, a friend and former coworker who owns some equipment that he was like, Hey, uh, if you want to borrow my switcher or whatever, you know, feel free. Cause I bought this thing and I'd like for there to have been a worthwhile reason for me to have bought this other than just, uh, Oh, I want one of these. Um, so I'm hopeful that when we return, even if we continue to do a lot of the shows via zoom that I can kind of up the production value and, still continue to use those skills and, and maybe do more of a live switching live production right. uh, type environment as opposed to the way we've been doing it, which is we pre-record the shows and then I mm. edit them and, and uh, get them uploaded to YouTube and wherever else they get shown. Um, so, you know, for me at that point, it became more of a, this is something fun that I get to do that still allows me to do production, even though that's not something that I do a lot of now in my, my day-to-day -day work, which is more tech support right. based stuff. Um, mm -hmm. so, but, but it's also been a bit challenging again, just with everything kind of returning to normal, you know, the rest of the crew on the show, they've got lives outside of doing the right. show and I mean all along you know Matt's got a family he's got a, a young young child at home and he's got a couple more on the way and so things are going to change for him and uh you know Ted's married and he and his wife are always off doing things and 
Um, Keisha is uh, a very, very fantastic chef. And so she's got a very busy schedule with her job and then just in her personal life. Um, So, you know, all of us trying to balance, uh, balance doing the show with our personal lives and, and everything kind of returning to normal has, has been a bit of a challenge. And I think honestly, that's a little bit of where the burnout started to happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, and again, that's gonna, I think, play into when we return, do we continue to do these as a weekly show, which is what we've been doing, or do we maybe go every other week or once a month instead? Right. Um, so, you know, those are things that we're going to kind of have to figure out because I don't see us not coming back at all. I just, I don't, I get messages from Ted on Google chat regularly of check out this music video. So I know he's finding new music that he wants to talk about. He's planning to go to shows. Uh, I've got a ton of stuff at this point that I'm chomping at the bit that we, we kind of joked in our last episode that, we're so used to the routine. Ted said, Oh, I might need to just text you guys like, Hey, can we hop into zoom and just chat for a while? Because this has become such a thing. And I was like, well, you know, if we do that, maybe we record it. And then if we get something, a little something that we can put out in between, you know, I'm not opposed to that. Um, but you know, it's going to be, there's going to be a conversation that needs to be had about what's our, you know, what's our workflow and uh the format going to look like when we when we come back from the hiatus so um definitely trying to balance between doing the show and and everything else uh i don't want us to burn out i don't want it to become something that's not fun anymore because right then there's just no point um so well and everybody yeah. i'm sorry no go ahead your your audience will pick up on that too Sure. If if they start to realize that it's just like a oh okay now I got to put an episode out right you know you're not gonna you might not you might not exp- think you're expressing it but it's gonna come off as you're not having a good sure. time anymore sure you know and and you don't want to put anything out like that for people that are fans of yours you know right. it's not fair to them yeah you know so I think it's a good thing that you guys took a break you know and try to regroup a little bit because last thing you'd want to do is maybe get like five or six more in the can and then those just not be up to par with what you've already been putting out. Yeah. You know, yeah, it almost be a waste of time, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I I mean, that was, and once we decided 104 is going to be where we cut it, I feel like we all had a little bit more energy too. Cause it was like, Oh yeah, we've got a, you know, an end in sight of where we can take a break. And uh, I think we were a lot more enthusiastic where for a while, I feel like it was starting to become a struggle. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I definitely didn't want that to read through to our audience that we're just doing this for the sake of doing it. You know, we we wanted to have it be fun for us. And if it's not fun for us, I feel like it's not fun for our our listeners and our viewers. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, it's also good too, because I can, I can kind of tell from listening to the podcast and then talking to you now, there's no, like there's, you guys don't have like an agenda to like monetize anything. You're just sitting down, having a good time talking. And I'm sure if something did happen like that, you guys would be ecstatic, but that's not like the end goal. You know what I mean? It's, it's just about sitting down and having fun. And I think that's what a lot of people get confused about. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a few people ask me about like, Oh, monetization on the podcast. And I'm like, dude, I only got like 11 episodes. No one's going to want to pay me anyway. And I don't even care about that. I'm just sitting talking to people that I want to talk to. I I enjoy talking music with people. I enjoy talking with gear with people. And 
I get to talk to people that I have no business talking to. And I'm sure you've had that experience too on the podcast, <laughs> oh, yeah. right? It's like, I, oh, yeah. I, I'm not anybody. Why do you want to talk to me? But hey, we'll sit down and talk for an hour and it's going to be right. awesome. Yeah. You know, what's yeah. some of the craziest people you've had on there that kind of was like a woe factor for you, maybe? Oh, boy. So the big one for us was uh, we have a radio station or had a radio station here in Boston, WAF, that went off the air. <laughs> they kind of joked that they went off the air and then the end of the world came with the pandemic because they went off the right. air and then literally less than a month later was when the quarantine happened and uh, people just stopped doing anything. Uh, but we had a station here, WAF. It got bought out by a Christian rock station that apparently has been going around buying up all kinds of rock stations across the country. And that's good. Yeah, um, really disappointed. We were all disappointed when they went off the air. And it was actually a rare situation where uh, I think it was maybe two or three days prior, they let the DJs know that they were going to be shutting down the station. They were getting bought out and they actually let the DJs get on the air for those last three days and do a farewell, which they talked about was a huge risk for their their management because uh i guess a lot of situations like that they would just be like okay the station's getting sold off and you're not going back on the air because they don't know what that person's gonna say when they get back on the air (laughs) after that that could cause a lot of big problems for them and so they were given the opportunity to basically say farewell to the station and these were djs that had been there since the nineties. I mean, they, oh, wow. they've been, um, they had been there for a long time and they had on all of these major bands in the last few days that had been on, you know, the radio with them for interviews and played concerts that were sponsored by the station over the years. And so coming up on the one year anniversary of the station going off the air, we started kind of talking and we were like, you know, how cool would it be if we could get Mistress Carrie, who was one of the DJs uh, at the station at the time she was the music director when the, the station went off the air. We were like, how cool would it be if we could get her to come on? Because we release our episodes every Saturday at 7 p.m. Yep. And so this would have been it would have been released the Saturday before what would have been the one year anniversary of the station okay. going off the air. Or actually I think it was released released the day of the one year anniversary of the oh, station going man. off the air. So we, we were like, well, what's the worst that can happen? We reach out to her and she says no, or she doesn't respond at all because she's not interested. So uh, we reached out to her and told her a bit about our show. And we were like, you know, we're, we're planning to talk about the, one year anniversary of AAF going off the air. And we would love it if you would be willing to join us to talk a bit about that. And she responded back pretty quickly and was like, yeah, no, I'd love to come on. And we were like, really? Um, We kind of had everything finalized New Year's Eve of 2020. And she joined us uh, a few weeks later for the show. And we had talked about you know, we're only going to keep you to an hour because we know she's busy. She was at the time not working at another radio station yet, but she was working on her own podcast. And of course, with nearly 30 years of experience working with that radio station, she had a lot of connections. So she was bringing some 
huge names onto her podcast and here we are over here like yeah we're just a bunch of fans who have been listening to you on the radio for years and we want to have you on and um she ended up staying on the show with us for nearly by the time we were done chatting with her prior to the show doing the show and then talking to her after the show it was almost three hours that she spent with us which was just crazy um but it was I, I by far one of the coolest experiences we had doing the show because she came on and she shared all these incredible stories that we hadn't heard before mm-hmm. and didn't even hear them in the last few days of her being on the radio before they went off the air. And, um, you know, one of the things that when we did our two year anniversary episode was we kind of recapped the last two years of doing the show and and Ted had mentioned that what he thought was really cool about that is that we do a segment at the end of every show called the song of the week pick where whether it's just us or us and a guest, we ask our guests if they want to participate too. We all pick a song and we talk about it and then we'll put like a 30 second snippet of the song underneath while we're talking about it. And so we had talked to her about, are you willing to participate in the song of the week with us? And she was like, sure, no problem. So, you know, Ted had said, what he thought was really cool is not only did she come on the show, but she participated in something that was our thing on the right. show, which which was really cool for us. Um, so I, I think by far that was one of, I, I think if you asked any of us, we would tell you that that was probably the coolest experience we had doing the show. And I think if we had asked her now, the likelihood of her coming on would have probably been slimmer than asking yeah. her in the middle of the pandemic when she didn't really have much else going on. She wasn't working at a radio station yet and we did it all through Zoom. So she's at her studio and she's got a very professional setup there and she's just joining us from where she's at and made it pretty easy for her because she didn't have to go anywhere. Uh, but I think if we had asked her now it probably would have been a lot harder to get her to, to come on the show with her current schedule. I, I don't know. It, it might've been, but it, in my experience, uh, it's not really like that for anybody. Yeah. I've never had anybody say no. Yeah. They've just said, no, not right now. We can reschedule yeah. though. You yeah. know what I mean? So I, I get what you're saying. I a hundred percent because I I've, I've typed emails and I'm just like, Nope, I don't even know why I'm doing this. Yeah. This isn't, this is, this is insane. And then, a day later, it's like, oh yeah, that sounds fun. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. When, yeah. when are you available? You know, that sort of, I'm like yeah. you said, I know you've had that experience. It's, oh yeah. Everybody is usually pretty cool. And the people that aren't, aren't anybody like, you kind of know who those people are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, and, and you, you've been doing the show long enough to where you know enough people, you've, you've kind of built some connections, I'm sure. Sure. You know, maybe not as big as some of your guests, but y- you know people that know other people. And if mm-hmm. they kind of are like, hey, you know, this guy, he's cool or this girl, she's cool. But, you know, you know you- you'll take their word over that right. sort of scenario. You know what I mean? Because you don't want to have somebody like that on your show. Right. You know, yeah. or have one of those like don't meet your hero moments where you have a phenomenal guest. And then it's just like, oh, this person's a real jerk. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Have you guys yeah. had any like super like weird experiences or bad experiences or anything like that on the show it seems like you've always had awesome people yeah no i i honestly can say we have not had anybody who's been like who yeah that was a mistake um you know we've 
we started out mostly inviting people that we knew to join okay. us. Well, yeah, that um, makes it easier. So, yeah. So we like our first guest was our friend Marcus, who we had all gone to high school with. We had been in the jazz band, concert band, marching band with him. He's a phenomenal sax player. He plays a lot of jazz music. He was playing in like six different bands at the time. And uh, so we reached out to him and asked do you want to come on the show and i think he might have been maybe the third or fourth episode that we had so we were still as hosts a little bit rocky too right. and and we were like well you know we just we sit down for an hour and we just talk like we're having a conversation and uh so we had him on for a two-part episode and then uh shortly after that we had our friend keisha joined us we talked about video game soundtracks because she's big into gaming and we Ted's wife had joined us for a couple episodes on gaming and we had our friend um, Luke Condon who's in a, a local band called Town Meeting and they're fairly well known around here and they were also doing a podcast called Long May You Young which was about Neil Young and okay. um, they started doing that during the pandemic and they started doing that with Mike Shu, who was another DJ on AAF they he had had them on his podcast as a band and then they started talking and it was like they had a mutual love for Neil Young and they decided they're going to do this podcast about Neil Young. So we managed to get Luke on the show to talk about his band for one episode and then we talked about the Long May You Young podcast for a second episode. And again, I feel like that's one of those things if Luke and and his band had been having a lot of gigs at that point, it probably would have been a lot harder to be able to schedule yeah. him than it was to be like, hey, you want to come join us on the show? And, and he's like, yeah, I'm pretty much free anytime at this point. Right. Um, so we started out with people we knew. And then after maybe the first nine months or so, we started to branch into people we didn't really know who... Uh, like Ted um, spends a lot of time on Twitch because mm -hmm. his wife streams fairly regularly playing video games. And so he's gotten to know a lot of people through Twitch who are also musicians that either had their own Twitch stream podcast type of situation or they played games, but they also happen to be musicians. And so right. uh, he brought in, we had Ray and Joda from Slayer Bites and those guys live out in Washington state. So they're three time zones away from us. Right. We're on the East coast. Um, we had Jack from Jaquetto picks who's in Australia. And that was, that's why that was interesting to coordinate because he's talk about different time zones. He's right. like a day ahead of us practically. Mm -hmm. Um, we had, uh, who else, who else? We had the guys from Ritualist who were in Michigan and oh, yep. they were our first full band. So, uh, we thought we were just going to get the guitar player, maybe one other band member. And we show up, we're on zoom, turn on the cameras and it's the whole band sitting there. And it's like, well, this is our first full band interview with, mm -hmm. with a band. So that was pretty cool. And those guys, Ted met through Twitch, um, Eli, aka Lefty Raffle, another Twitch streamer that Ted met who's out in the Denver area. Um, so, you know, we, we started to expand to people that we'd met online through different avenues who we hadn't really, we didn't know them in person. Yeah. We talked to them through a chat or, you know, us in a chat and they're on a stream. 
And so it was really cool to be able to bring those people on the show and hear more about, you know, their bands or their musical experiences. And, um, you know, that's, that's one of the things when we're looking for guests, we're not necessarily looking for people who are musicians. We're just looking for people who also have a love for music that want right. to come talk about music for an hour or so. And, We've had a few people who've done that. They're not musicians, but they come on, they talk about music. So um, it's really our our list or our lineup of guests has evolved a lot since the initial start mm-hmm. of the show where it was like, we're just going to have on our friends because this is what we're comfortable doing. And we know these people too. We started to find other people or other people were like, hey, you should have this person on the show. Or, right. Um, like I'd found some people, I do an acoustic guitar group once a month called guitar league. And the way that works is they bring in a guest musician every month who performs for about an hour at the beginning. They do a Q and a session about gear and techniques and other things. And then everybody breaks off into kind of jam groups, so to speak for okay. the second hour. Um, so a lot of. I've discovered a lot of people through that who I've had Mm -hmm. on the show as well. And that's been really cool too. We had Sean Fullerton on who talked about, um, he, he's a a vocalist and a guitarist and he did a lot of damage to his vocal cords from years of not singing properly and not taking care of his voice. And so he came on and talked about how, he had to have vocal cord surgery and now he had to relearn how to sing and how to sing properly and how he's learned to kind of to your point earlier about not learning the song exactly as it was written. He's learned to play in tunings that better fit his voice. And yep. one of, I think probably the most eye opening pieces of advice that I've ever heard anybody give or that I've heard recently anyway, was when he was like, Play in the key that's best suited for your voice because when you're out performing that, nobody's going to listen to that and say, well, that's not the key that the song's in on the record. They're going right. to recognize the song anyway, and they're they're still going to enjoy it. And that to me was an eye-opening thing because I've always been a person where it's like I want to learn it note for note exactly how yeah. it's recorded. But that doesn't matter when you're playing out in public and you're not playing along with the the studio recording of a song unless you're a guitar player who's been playing for a long time and knows the song maybe you would nitpick that a bit more but the average person isn't going to notice they're going to listen to it and just think i know this song that's a great song and it doesn't matter that it's not in the same key or at the same octave yeah I, after the countless cover gigs that i've done it it doesn't matter it yeah. really doesn't um yeah there was a piece of advice that somebody told me about playing live. It's um, nobody wants to see their next door neighbor playing on a stage. <laughs> so if you're playing a cover gig, yeah, it's songs they know and you're mm-hmm. engaging with the audience and you're having it kind of like the podcast. If you're mm-hmm. having a good time with the people you're playing with, it's going to go, that energy is going to go back to the crowd. Right. And it's just kind of like a give and take as you're, as you're playing. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know. I I've kind of, I always try to have balance with everything, especially when it comes to learning stuff. Mm. So I kind of see it from two thoughts. I can learn it exactly the way the song is. And that's going to be good for me because it's like, I feel like I accomplished something. 
also when you do that, you learn a bunch of awesome tricks and little licks that you've never thought to you sure. could do. But when you're playing live, that's when you get to be expressive and that's when you get to be unique and you get to make mistakes and you get to mm -hmm. learn from those mistakes. So I think it's mm -hmm. better to improvise in those situations. Sure. But, but yeah, that's always kind of been my approach with just about everything, trying to find a balance between, you know, exactly what it's supposed to be and then your own creative outlet for that, whatever mm -hmm. it is, you know, sure. whether it's music or podcasting or name, whatever, sure. you know, and I, I've just really enjoyed the variety of guests that you guys have had. Like you kind of said, it's not like a set group. It's just mm -hmm. people that love music and love sure. talking about music, you know? Sure. And, and the other thing I really love about your guys' show is I'm quickly realizing here in the past year, how small this community of musicians really is, mm -hmm. you know, for instance, um, one of my favorite episodes with you guys was with Dustin Mitchell. Yeah. And Dustin and I have been back and forth for, oh, probably at least a year. Wow. Maybe, maybe a little yeah. less. But but we've been back and forth because he, he's just right down in Chattanooga. You know, sure. he's, he's just not too far away from me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I, I'm, I always try to put that in perspective because musicians aren't really a dime a dozen. We might feel like we're a dime a dozen because we're always interacting with other musicians. Sure. But but even in the United States by itself, you're, you're in a small niche of people that can actually do something that most people can't do. Sure. You know, and that's trying to, that's what I always try to think about it because it's like, you see on, you see online, you're like, oh man, there's all these phenomenal guitar players. There's all these phenomenal musicians insert their instrument. They're all phenomenal, right? Mm -hmm. There's not that many of them though. Right. In the big scheme of things. I've always sure. tried to kind of keep it in perspective like that. Sure. Cause that'll help. That'll happen with you too. Or with anybody really. It's like, you'll get burnt out or, or discouraged mm -hmm. watching a 12 year old that can just melt your face. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know? Been there. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. like, wow, I've been playing for, I don't even want to say anymore because now it's like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I get it's, it. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. But it's yeah. the same thing with like the, anything for social media, um, like we were kind of getting back to with um, you guys aren't doing it for anything just besides having fun and talking sure. and having a good time. Cause if, if you go out trying to get something out of it, you're most likely not going to get anything out of it anyway. Sure. As far as like recognition or a monetary value, you know, Sure. so you have to love it. It's the yeah. same thing with music. You have to love it. So when the times do get hard and you do need to take a break, you know why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. It's because of exactly. your love of the instrument or the love of, whatever it is you're doing. Right. But yeah, that's, I really liked it. You guys come off as very genuine. I don't think anybody's faking it on there. It, it's, it's like you said, it's, it's just a bunch of friends hanging out and talking and having a great time. And you do feel like part of the group from being an audience perspective on my end. Well, you thank really you. do. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate that. That's, that's kind of the, the goal that we're aiming for is to, you know, bring the audience in, so to speak. Yeah, you guys are doing a really good job with that. It it's a good show. I'm kind of kicking myself because I didn't find out about you guys sooner. But thanks <laughs> to TikTok, I think I can't remember how I, I came about finding you guys. I know it was on TikTok. But yeah. yeah. So it it's it's nice though now because I have 104 episodes to kind of go through. Sure. So so I'm hoping yeah. before you guys get back from your hiatus, I can kind of get caught up sure. to to where we're at. Because sure. I've had, I've had to kind of skip around a few times because when I see guests that I actually know, I'm like, well, I got to listen to that episode right now. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and see what that's all about. But yeah, I'm, I'm slowly trying to 
work my way up to the list for you guys. And I really do enjoy the show. But before we cut this off, um, where can we find you guys at? Is there a specific anything we can link down below for all the listeners here? Yeah, so probably the easiest way to find us is to go to our link tree, which is linktr.ee slash distorted opinions. We have all of our links in there. We we were giving our email address and then a whole bunch of other stuff, but that's got our social media accounts. It's got our email. It has our YouTube channel where you can find all the video versions of the shows. Yep. And, and we really... We try hard to not make the show in such a way that you have to be watching it in order yeah. to follow along with what's going on. Although there are certainly some episodes where it's better if you do see the video version of it. But for the most part, you can get away with listening to the audio only if you're somebody who does a lot of commuting and you want to listen to us. Uh, we also have the links to all the different podcast platforms that we're on. But at this point, we're on pretty much every platform that right. I'm aware of. Um, if there's some platform that people listen to that we're not on, then I'm happy to add us if uh, if if somebody tells us. But uh, but we're pretty much everywhere at this point. But everything's in that, that link tree URL. So that's probably the easiest way to find us. Okay, too easy. And I'll have that link down below for everybody if they want to check that out. Last okay. thing, when are you guys coming back? Definite date. No, no <laughs> nothing at all or... I'm just giving you a hard time, but it's definitely <laughs> happening. It's definitely happening though, right? Probably the fall would be my guess. Um, nice. Yeah, we're, th- there's been a little bit of talk of we might try to do at least a few episodes in person because... That'd be cool. Uh, yeah, Ted Ted has a really good space for that. Ted kind of, he hosts the jam sessions, so oh, nice. he's got a big space in his basement. Everybody's got their amps down there. He's got his drum set. He's got this cool bar height table that basically it's just where the mixer for the PA sits nice. but it's underneath this vintage pizza hut stained glass lamp that came awesome. with his house and so he was talking about well we can use the green screen that his wife uses for when she streams and I'm like why use the green screen it's a show about music I feel like right. we just shoot it in the basement and it's got the perfect I mean not to go Wayne's world but it's got the perfect feel for right. a music show and I've got these grand visions of multiple cameras and lots of lighting, and it's probably logistically going to be a lot of work to shoot it the way that I'm envisioning it. But I I would like it to look professional and not cheesy if we're going to do that. So, um, you know, we've talked about maybe doing a few episodes that way. We'll see. We'll see how that turns out. But, um, you know, the easiest thing I think for us is to probably continue doing most of our shows via Zoom because we can just hop on from wherever we are. And it's also easy for us to bring on guests from anywhere that way too. So, um, you know, I'm thinking in the fall, we'll probably start talking about that in the next month or so, and then determining what our format's going to be and maybe recording a few episodes episodes toward the end of the summer in preparation Mm -hmm. for uh, releasing them. Because, I mean, that was the other big thing too, as far as the social media aspect of things. When we started out, we were way ahead, which gave me plenty of time to be able to promote each episode on social media. And then at a certain point, we got, I wouldn't say behind, but we weren't as far ahead. And so like the last episode we recorded, we drop them on Saturdays. 
we recorded that episode Monday, the week that it was supposed to oh, drop. Wow. So uh, <laughs> for me, that that was more down to the wire than I'd ever been with editing an episode because it's not just audio, it's video too. And so there's more that goes into having to edit the video side of things. And um, even the, the way we were editing the video evolved throughout the show. So if you watch the earlier episodes, I was multi-camming all of that right. um, and, and, and doing reaction shots and those types of things. And that started to be a little bit too much work. So we were like, well, why don't we just record it in gallery view and just put the whole gallery view up there? And that shaved off a lot of editing time. Yeah. But um, it got really hard the last few months to be able to do a decent job of promoting the show because there just wasn't enough time to pull the clip so early on where we had lots of promotion of the show and i could see where that impacted things in the numbers of how many views and listens we were getting on the episode Mm -hmm. because there was a significant drop off when i stopped being able to promote the show as well so um, that's definitely one of the things that I'll be taking into consideration when we bring back the show, you know, as far as how frequently we're going to do the episodes and, um, you know, how far ahead we want to be. Cause being far ahead is challenging too. If you're talking about something that's a little more time sensitive and you're yeah, eight you weeks ahead in the show, it, yeah. you know, it's not relevant by then. So, uh, we don't want to be that far ahead, but we also want to have enough time to do a proper job of of promoting the show so don't have a definitive date yet but i would anticipate sometime in the fall would be when the return and we'll we'll make sure to announce that on social media when it's coming up um in the meantime ted's working on he's going to be starting a drum stream i think probably sometime in july he's been working on that so we'll post on our social media when he starts doing that so people can check that out and um yeah, that's, you know, again, the best way to, to find out when the show is coming back would be to follow us on social media because we'll make sure to let everybody know when that's happening. Nice. Well, I'll have that link tree down below and everybody needs to check out everything and follow everybody with distorted opinions. <laughs> and for Thank Kayla, you. I cannot wait to see you guys in the future, what you guys are going to do. Multiple cameras, big production. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> and I really can't Thank wait. You. And I really appreciate you coming on and talking to me. I had a great time. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. It's it's great to be on the show joining you. Uh, I definitely appreciate it. And for Kayla, we're going to head and end this podcast. And I hope you guys have a great week. We'll see you next week on Man the Helm Podcast.